Good morning and welcome back to the Legal Queen podcast. I release these episodes every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday at 6am. In only two months, guys, we have grown to 10,000 monthly listeners. Wow, blows my mind. And I just wanted to say thank you so much. I get hundreds of messages every day saying how much this podcast is helping people. So if I could ask whatever application you may be listening to this on, Spotify, Apple, Amazon or anywhere else, if you could please give me a five-star rating, it will really help push the podcast so that we can help even more people. My goal is to be reaching 50,000 monthly listeners by the end of the year and you guys can directly help me achieve that. Anyway, enjoy the following episode. Evening all, how are we? Right, let's kick off. I've got Captain up first. So Captain, whenever you're ready, what's your question? Oh, hello. I didn't realise I was first. You are, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Good evening, how are you? Hello, I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Good, it seems ages since we last talked. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A couple of things that I've got to start with. Um... One is for uh, Mum of One and one's just a general one because I've been looking at a lot of comments lately. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so this is from Mum of One. Uh, just wondering if you can ask Tracy what the judge likes to see for 50-50 to be granted. Mum of One, you're going to have to... Sorry, I've not read this question before asking. Yeah. Well, if Mum of One's listening, you're going to have to send me some more info and I'll ask the question back to let Tracy later on. Um, and also uh, about pension, can you talk about pensions when it comes to divorces because that's been a lot a yeah. hot topic lately on your tiktok and comments and things like that yeah absolutely so um answering the first part of the question what's the court looking for for 50 50 shared care the first thing they're going to look for is what's the status quo at the moment so if the children are currently having 50 50 or almost 50 50 then the court's more minded to make the shift so where, say, one parent might just be having an alternate weekend, for example, it would be too big a shift to go from that to 50-50 shared care. So the courts are going to try and keep the status quo and look to the current routine. When it comes to pensions, that's an easy one. Um, pensions will be divided according to the contributions that were made during the marriage Okay, so all the contributions made during the marriage are going to be divided equally to provide uh, an equal income upon retirement. Um, The only, um, I suppose, variance to that is perhaps where you've lived together before marriage. You may have lived together for, say, two, three, four years, and then you've made that seamless transition into marriage. We will count that period of cohabitation as well. Lovely, thanks Tracy. Brilliant, thank you Captain, speak to you soon. I might pop back oh, up in a bit. Yeah, great, alright then, thank you. Alright, bye. bye. Um, Adam, you are next up, what's your question? Oh, hello, um, two seconds there. Sorry Adam, if you put your hand up, I will invite you back onto the stage. Just while I'm waiting for Adam to do that, somebody's asking me on TikTok, is the no fault now the only route? Oh no, maybe that's Instagram actually. Um, It is the only route to get a divorce, yet you can't get a divorce through any other way, only through um, no fault. Um, We've got rid of all the blame factors, and that came into play April 2022. There we go, Adam. Try again. What's your question? Hello. um, I'm just going to ask if um, for an appeal on adoption, can you do that? Uh, So I wouldn't do an appeal. How the appeal process works, Adam... Is it's very uh, appeal is is more sort of where the court has made an error in law. So how we would start with an appeal process 
is first we've got to ask permission and then you would strictly speaking you would get counsel or a barrister to give you your prospects of success because it really is based on the law that applied and how the court made an error in applying that law okay it's just because <clears throat> i'm going through like the siege of my son yeah. um being adopted and the judge has decided with social services um for adoption okay um and we had obviously 21 day 21 days to appeal against it yeah and um i don't know if we could you're gonna I just need wanted to... a bit of advice yeah. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to need to take some advice on that, Adam, but more than I can give you on, on this uh, forum, because, as I say, we've got to look at what law was applied during your case and if the court made an error in applying that law. And, of course, if they did, then we would be successful in our appeal. Appeals aren't easy, OK? Um, but, yes, yeah, certainly take some advice if you think that your case warrants an appeal. OK, All right? thank you very much. You're welcome. Pleasure. Bye-bye. Dojo girl, I've just invited you up. What's your question? Whenever you're ready. While I'm waiting for Dojo, we've got a question on... Can I put my final order in before the financial order is completed? You can, but we don't recommend it. We generally say wait until you've got your final order in the divorce and then put your financial order in. Um, Dojo girl, how can I help? Hi Tracy, can you hear me? I can, yeah. I was gonna. I thought I couldn't, but I can. Yeah. What's your question? Um, I would just like to know, please, just the sequence of events through the divorce process. Yeah. Um, my husband and I have separated after twenty-seven years of marriage, and he wants a divorce. So I presume he will put uh, the petition in and therefore be the applicant. So what happens at what various stage, and who then applies for the financial order, etc.? Sure. Or can either party do that? Um, so, well, let's start with the divorce first of all, because the divorce and the finance are two separate processes, okay? So you're quite right, somebody's okay. going to kick off with a divorce petition. They're generally known as the petitioner. They will um, upload that, fill it all out, upload it on the uh, government website. Once that's been issued by the court, the court will then send it to the other side, who are known as the respondent. And all the respondent has to do is acknowledge that they've received the divorce petition confirm who they are right. and acknowledge they've received it, okay? It then goes back over yeah. to the petitioner and the next stage is to apply for what we call a conditional order. And then six weeks after your conditional order, you can apply for your final order in divorce. Now that whole process... And does the, that does whole, the petitioner apply for that yes. or the respondent? No, no, the petitioner applies for everything, the conditional order oh, right. and the final order, yeah. And that whole process takes 26 weeks, okay? Now, if we swing right. over then to the final, sorry, the financial order, if we've got an agreed financial order, great, we would submit that to the court in between the conditional and the final order in divorce. So we sandwich it in the middle, all right? Um, in that right, six so week gap. After the 20 weeks. It's after the 20 weeks, yeah. yeah. Although you can start to negotiate your financial order before then. If we haven't got an agreement and we need to go to court, then we're looking at making our financial application. And we do that as soon as we've issued the divorce petition. And can either party do that if Absolutely. you don't agree? Yeah, it doesn't matter who started the divorce. Either one of you can make application for a financial order, yeah. Perfect. Okay, Tracy, thank you very much for your help. You're welcome. Bye. 
Thank you. Bye. Uh, I've got Pony Girl next. Whenever you're ready, ask me your question. Um, can I help with mobile phone contracts? Unfortunately, I can't. I'm just family law. That's all I do. Sorry. Uh, Pony Girl, how can I help? Hello, can you me? Hello, yeah, I can, yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can Hello, hear you. Hello, OK. Um, I've, I'm, my question is, um, I'm currently the 20-week wait after applying for our divorce. My husband currently has no contact with our daughter. He doesn't show her any interest. Um, he's an alcoholic, um, and I raise her completely. Um, my, my question is, she's under two at the moment, but I'm concerned that as she gets older, he may, you know, when she's six or eight or ten, he may decide and change his mind and then go, well, actually, I'm going to go for custody now or I'm going to try and um, dictate that you can or can't take her on holiday. Are there any kind of applications that you would recommend that I could apply for or to protect this from happening? You can't make an application to stop him from making an application, no. But... The longer that it goes without him seeing the child, the less successful his application will be, okay? So even if in okay. six months or a year he decides I'm going to make an application for, let's say, shared care, even, even alternate weekends, mm -hmm. whatever it might be, because there's been yeah. such a large gap in contact, the court's going to then want to make sure that if contact's ordered, and that's a big if, it's done very mm -hmm. gradually, and typically what, what we see is that it might start with some FaceTime contact for a month and then it will go to maybe yeah. um, the, you know, an hour's meet, for example. Um, so I, you, there's no application you can make, as I say, to stop him making the application. But don't be, mm -hmm. don't be worried about him making an application because it won't necessarily succeed. Does that, does that make okay. sense? I mean, I've never stopped visitation. Yeah. Um, he, he's never shown any interest. I'm just concerned that I want stability for her. Yeah. Um, you know, and consistency. Yeah. Um, and the second part of my question is, um, I'm also concerned that if anything was to happen to me, he, she wouldn't be in safe hands with him. Um, right. He drink drives. He's, you know, he, 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 she wouldn't be in safe hands with him. Um, now, my parents help a lot with me raising my daughter. Yeah. And is there anything that, and again, any anything that I could do, or things that I could prepare well, you know if anything was to yeah, happen to me can, to protect can, my daughter you afterwards. can amend your will and appoint and have a legal guardian appointed in your will however in reality um if you were to pass away it your child would be social services would want to find out who the other parent is with parental responsibility um, and he yep. would be top of their list um mm -hmm. that said they're not going to ignore ongoing safety concerns so i'm sure another member of your family would be involved with social services and saying well hang on a minute um you know it, he's not safe um to leave the child with him uh, and would you recommend co contacting social services so that there is some kind of record you can um but of course it's just your word against his really so you know i don't i don't think it would carry any weight in the event of your death because you know, you could be seen as a vindictive mother. But if, if it makes you feel better, by all means, you can do it. But I suspect that it wouldn't carry any weight, as I say, when they're making right. their decision. They would do their own investigation. I mean, I have everything is, I have every evidence for anything I would say. Um, 
and it, it would, as I say, it would be again, you know, it wouldn't be to stop visitation. It would just be for the safeguarding of her. Yeah. Um, well, bye, bye. Okay, you've yeah. answered my questions. Thank you, okay. Tracy. You're welcome. Thanks now. Bye bye. Thank you so much. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. How can I help you? Hello, I'm um, going through court at the moment for my twelve-month-old uh, son. Yes. His father's trying to have access. Yeah. Um, I just had an ICFA happen with a third party and it didn't go well for him and the police had to be called, etc. I'm just concerned that um, they're trying to blame what happened on the third party and they're just going to ask for a new supervisor even though CAFPAS have gone in my favour. Right, sorry, what's your question to me? Sorry, ma'am. Um, can they do that? Um, can the third, can he change, get them to change their mind? Get, get who to change their mind about what? Can, um, can he make Kakas do a new, a new ICFA and um, try and gain access again? No, he, he can't make them. The court can. He'd have to persuade... Okay. Yeah, so he'd have to persuade the court that, the, that, that it needs to be redone, but he can't make them do it, no. Okay, he's just very aggressive about it. Um, I see. And I'm just in... He, my son's in a bit more danger if he, he tried to take the pram and take him and stuff. Yeah, okay. Yeah, thank you for answering my question. You're welcome, no problem at all. Bye. Katie, I'm going to come to you next. We will keep trying um, until I get to hear your question. Katie, can I hear you? Hi, can you hear me? I can, yes. What's your question? Um, so, um, I'll try and keep it as uncomplicated as possible. So, I relocated from the north of the country to the south of the country yeah um it went through court there was a uh, child arrangements order application and everything done and i think it was um is it a specific issues order yeah that's one of them yeah yeah so the judge determined that obviously the children live with me um and that we uh, meet halfway at services um his wife always came until she got pregnant and now he um, says that he can't do the drive with his child and that he has to wait for wife to come home before they can look after the child. Now, my question lies around the fact that I am now pregnant and I am suffering with uh, pelvic dysplasia and I'm gonna struggle to do the journey. What are my options? Well, if you, if you can't do it, Katie, then someone else is gonna have to do it. There's nobody else to do it the only option realistically is for the father to travel 250 miles i mean at the moment it's literally been a month since he last saw them um not really any contact in between etc so there's very little effort um if i'm going to struggle to do the actual journey because i'm going to struggle to be sat for such a long amount of time where does that kind of leave us well, I think I think that's self-explanatory, Katie. You know, if if he can't do the whole journey, he's not going to have contact, is he? Well, no. Um, I mean, the thing is, I know obviously he's going to kick and scream about it, but then yeah. it's almost double standards where it's acceptable for his wife, who was pregnant, who was you know in a lot of pain and stuff, to not do the journey, but then expect me to also do the journey. Can he? take me to court if i'm going to struggle to do that journey yes he can yeah he can make the application to enforce the existing order yeah and how would he do that if i physically can't 
No, no, I physically can't do the journey. No, no. So, Katie, the question you asked me was, can he take me to court to enforce the order? And the answer to that is yes, yes he can. But then okay. it doesn't mean that he would succeed in his application. You know, pe people you. people say that to me all the time. Well, can they make the application? Yes, they can. Oh, well, that's not fair. What do I do? Yeah, but I'm not saying he's going to succeed in his application. The court would hope... I mean, it really is a minor issue. There's no safeguarding concerns here. This is where co-parenting no, has completely broken down. You know, and no amount of, of court orders is going to um, help parents co-parent. It's down to them, really. If you can't do the drive, that's that option out of the way. If there is nobody else to step into your shoes to do it, then that's that option. Yeah. So the only option left is for him to do the whole journey. Perhaps you would be able to make a financial contribution because he's paying for all the petrol there and back. But the, it's it's not a legal problem, really. It's, it's not something the court would want to deal with because there are no legal issues no. there. It's just co-parenting. Yeah, it's just whether he's willing to do the journey or not. Yeah. Effectively. And, and, and the fact that you have nobody to, to step into the breach. Yeah. Okay. All right. No, that's fine. It makes me feel a bit better about the situation. Okay, great. Thanks, Katie. Bye. Thank you so much. Thank you. Captain, you have Mr. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh. Oh, Captain, hang on, hang on, have... hang on. I need to turn you down on TikTok. That's all right. That's okay. Um, yeah, so he sent it me as a voice note, so I'm going to have to listen to it and talk to you at the same time. That's so right. this works. Yeah, okay, let's do it. So he's completed his first hearing. Yeah. And they're due to go to the final hearing for the childcare in September. Yeah. He really wants 50 50. Yeah. He's always been part of the children's life. Yeah. But his ex partner is not letting him have access to the children. Okay. How do you think, how do you think he should best position his case? Um, well, the first thing I would say, um, if I was uh, speaking to a client, the first thing I'm going to do is manage expectations. If we're not getting any contact at all, it's highly unlikely that we are going to succeed on a 50-50 application immediately, okay? So the best way to position your case here is to say, look, it's in the kid's best interest to have a relationship with me. I'm hoping that there are no safeguarding concerns that have to be dealt with. So if we can eliminate safeguarding concerns, then what um, you need to do is introduce a gradual build-up of contact. Now, obviously, I don't know how old these children are, when was the last time he saw the children, how, you know, if, if there's any anything else in the mix that I need to be aware of, partners or anything like that, geography, the distance between them. But ideally what the court want to see is a contact plan that's in the best interest of the child. And where we've had a period where there's been no contact, we're going to be introducing slow and steady, okay? So an hour per week, maybe for the first month on a Saturday, increasing that to two hours, increasing it to half a day, a full day, so on and so on. And of course that's different, you know, depending on the age of the children. If we've got children that are 10, 11, 12, we might start with some FaceTime. We might start with some texting, some WhatsApp messages, whatever it might be. But he needs to show a slow and steady build-up. That should be his position for the final hearing, in my view, because he hasn't had any contact with them. Okay, thanks, Tracy. Right. I've got a couple of others, if that's okay. Yeah, sure, yeah. One of them um, is about legal aid. Remind me, what's the stance on legal aid with family law? So you can't get legal aid for family law anymore unless there is domestic violence. 
So if you can show domestic violence has taken place, and I, the last time I, I looked into this, it was in the last three months, and how you show that is by either um, confirmation from your GP that you've gone down to seek assistance from them, or a police report showing that you've actually reported it within the last three months. So that's um, that part of it, but then they're also gonna look at the money that you've got coming in. Um, so they're gonna, you know, if you're in receipt of benefits, then we tick that box, but sometimes people have the domestic violence, but they earn too much, so they can't get legal aid uh, for that reason. But that's all you can get legal aid for now in family. Okay, that's, I thought that was the case. I just wanted to yeah. uh, check, check before it. saying. Yeah. Um, this is from Middleman, and it's about what I asked you earlier about pensions. Yeah. Um, and he said to me, my understanding was that the entire pension pot is considered as a marital asset and would therefore be split. However, you said earlier that it's only contributions made during the relationship. Is that that's right, isn't it? That That is correct, yeah. So, for example, if we have a five-year marriage but we're looking at 20 years worth of contributions, we're gonna be ring fencing the 15 years worth of contributions that fall outside of the marriage, because that just wouldn't be fair. Where we have maybe 32 years of contributions and a 30 year marriage, in that instance, the court would probably say, we're gonna look at all of it. You know, we're not gonna like take away those two years because this marriage is so long anyway. But legally, it is just the contributions made during the marriage. Okay, that's fine. Um, thanks, Tracy. Pleasure. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Uh, sweet Molly Malone. What a great name. How can I help? Hi there. Can you hear me? I can, yeah. Brilliant. Um, so I just wanted to ask around um, child arrangement orders. Um, I have a restraining order in place. And I just, I'm curious as to how the court approaches a situation like this when... when um, going through an application for a child arrangement order and also whether there are any um, approved apps that the court recommends for use to be able to communicate around child um, contact and parenting, co-parenting. Yeah, so, so there are definitely parenting apps out there. The court don't recommend one over the other, um, but they, they are big fans of parenting apps. Um, anything at all that will encourage the parents to co-parent and sorry, Molly, what was the first part of your question? The, the, the child arrangements order process, was it? What the process when there's um, also a restraining order in place between myself and the father. Oh, I see. So the court can make provisions whereby, well, it may be that it happens via teams, so therefore he wouldn't be breaching um, the order. I mean, obviously I don't know the conditions of that restraining order, but the court can make provisions whereby the separate entrances, separate rooms, we oftentimes have uh, screens put in the court. So it would depend initially on the conditions laid out in the restraining order and how we best yeah, yeah. deal with the family, um, the, the child arrangements order with that in place. But we usually find a way around it that, that, you know, that is safe. Okay, that's great. And in, in sort of general terms, I know each case is individual, but yeah. how long can it take for um, the process to sort of complete? I mean, I guess it depends on how how yeah. people um, yeah. react to the different scenarios and, and agree to put yeah. whatever suggested in place. No, I'm with you. I mean, I think the, the court's stance on that is they are always keen to get parents to try to agree because they want it out of the court system. So the court's very motivated to keep things moving along as quickly and efficiently yeah. as possible. 
I've ran children's cases where we've literally settled at the first hearing and then I've ran other cases where we've gone on for four years. That was probably my longest one. So it, it'll, it'd be anywhere between there, Molly. Um, and I know that's not much of a help, but it really does depend on the issues that we're, that we're arguing about and obviously the stance of the parents. Okay, that's helpful. Thank you. All right, no problem. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Mart, you are next up. Take yourself off mute. Hello. Hello, Bess. I'm good, thanks. How are you? Not too bad. Got Very a couple good. of you tonight. Okay, yeah. Um, my inbox has blown up for some reason. Oh, has it? <laughs> um, so this one, um, while going through divorce in the UK, yeah. our marriage is not registered in England. Yeah. But with marriage to get from abroad, it's been approved for the divorce. Husband is remarried on non-Islamic Nika in the UK. I don't, I don't understand what that is. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there any way you can find out if my husband is legally remarried in the UK? Many thanks. Um, not really, because I think that would be a breach of privacy, I'm pretty sure. I mean, a, a, a Nika marriage is a an Indian marriage that we don't recognise here in the UK. So, because it's a religious marriage, it's a religious ceremony, um, it's not registered um, automatically. Parties can register it here. But if they don't register it, which I think is what that lady was saying, we wouldn't we wouldn't recognise it as being a, a marriage, and therefore he can go off and remarry um, again because we don't recognise the first one. But to answer her question, how could she find out if he was married? I I don't know that she can. I'll be completely honest with you. I mean, it isn't anything that she could obtain from court because courts aren't made aware of marriage certificates. It would be the registrar. Um, of births and deaths, but I'm not sure they would re re release that information to her. Right, okay, no worries. That's that one. Um, I've let the, the ex keep the jointly owned home for the kids. Yeah. They are all well over 18 now, and she's moved out with a new partner um, and lets the oldest child live there. Can I try for sale of the house now in the divorce? Absolutely, because the child will not be part of the divorce or the financial process. So if the home is a marital home and belongs to mum and dad, um, and, you know, dad wants his, his money from it, then absolutely, yeah, he'd be able to make an application to the court. Having the child live there will not stand in the court's way. Right, OK. Uh, the next one is, what court order do I need to apply for the change of child, children's name He's on bail for DV, so I can't go through him. So I'm assuming you want to change the surname. Changing the surname. So we're looking at doing a C1 application to change a child's surname if we don't have dad's permission. And then what we're asking the court for is the court's permission. So in the absence of dad's permission, I'm assuming dad has PR. If dad doesn't have PR, then we don't need his permission. Um, but if we if he does have PR and he won't give his permission, then it's a C1 application to the court. All right, brilliant. Cheers. I will be back with you in a bit. Trace, right. I'll let the others ask this. Okay, thanks, Mark. Speak to you later. Cheers, Trace. Bye. Bye. Um, I'm going to invite ABZ up. There we go. What's your question? I, um, oh, I have hello. a quick question. Yep. Um, yeah, so basically my ex's um, mother has contacted my sister in Cardiff based on uh, a gift that was given. Now, she's, she's uh, classed it as diary, but it was a gift given to my sister at the time of uh, my wedding. 
um, and she is asking for that back. What is the is, is this is this to do with the night? Obviously, um, my financials the financials done, my divorce is done, everything is basically completed and wiped. But now this has come up. This did come up at one point um, as part of the financials, but it was uh, put to one side because it's basically linked to my sister and not directly to me. Yeah. Um, generally, a gift is a gift. Um, so <clears throat> if, if somebody gives a gift to somebody else, then they no longer have legal ownership of that. Um, they have given it to somebody else freely um, and therefore they have no legal um, uh, ability to, to ask for that back. If the person who's okay. received the gift is not in agreement to giving that back, well then they're kind of stuck. Would they win if they made an application to court? I suppose it depends what the gift is and why the gift was given in the first place, but I would suggest probably not. So there, there is, there is, they're threatening to take it to court. Basically, I'm going to see my daughter in a contact center um, on the well in August. I won't give, I won't give dates, but um, they're saying that if you don't bring it on this date, then we will threaten to take your sister to court. That's that's. They, they sent a, an, an initial letter to my sister, and now they've emailed me upon that as well. All oh, right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What I would suggest so is I, if, sort of, if yeah. the if the matter does go to court, then take some legal advice at that stage. Okay. Yeah. No problem. Yeah. All right. But but I suspect Perfect. that they're, depending yeah. on what it is, I suspect that they're they're not going to succeed. Right. So uh, just just on the on that basis, there was a gift given to her sister as well. So it's traditional tradition in Pakistani culture to do that to give gifts to the sisters. So. At, at the initial instance, whenever it was with the solicitors, we requested that back and they requested theirs back, but the solicitors wouldn't actually deal with it because it was, you know, third parties. It wasn't to do yeah. with myself or my ex-wife, Yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it Now, they're it. asking for their one back, but we're not, we, we, we were sort of like, right, you know what, they've given that, we've, we've, t- we've got this, that's fine. Yeah. But, you know, they're, they're asking for their one back and threatening to take legal action, but they're not willing to do anything else, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does. And as I say, I, I strongly... Say, I mean, it, it, it's hard for me to say because I don't know what it is, but, um, yeah, <laughs> wait till they make the application, then take the legal advice, because then you'll know exactly what you're dealing with details-wise, what their claim okay. is. Perfect. All right? Fab. Thanks, then. Perfect. Bye. Thanks very much. Thanks, Tracy. Bye-bye. Um, just a quick question. Um, someone is saying, how do I ask a question? Um, you have to download the Discord app and then you come into the Legal Queen Discord and you put you come into the lounge and you put your hand up. Um, Caroline, I have invited you up to the stage, but it's taking a little while. So while I'm waiting for you, Lucy, what's your question? Oh, Caroline. Hi, um, I have Hello. a question, actually. Yeah. Um, so been uh going through a divorce now um i've just realized uh on the co- well payments i used to make for bills that he used to transfer over to me he's actually referred to it as um mortgage payments but yeah. there's there are to be honest a zero amount that he's actually sent has actually gone to the mortgage there's small amounts that he sent over each month and they only covered sort of cancel tax and bills um and food uh, etc uh but nothing was uh towards mortgage and he did nothing that did do anything, I mean, in terms of financially contributing to increase the value of the house. Um, will that be a problem that he's actually called it, like, uh, in his, I uh, guess, Are you married? To... Are you married, Lucy? Yes. Yeah, yes. so it doesn't really matter then who, who pays what. Um, if you're married, depending on, obviously, the length of your marriage, it's a matrimonial asset anyway. 
Um, it's only been a year and a bit. Oh, okay. Well, then no, that should be fine. I mean, it will depend on his needs. The court, the court won't just draw a line under it. Um, you know, as long as the, the court's going to want to make sure that everyone's needs are met, income needs and housing needs, etc. But it doesn't really matter what he's called it. Okay. Um, when in terms of the length, and uh, this is a short one, but in terms of the length, when does it sort of matter? Uh, is it sort of what would you so, say is like um... there's, there's no there's no exact exact science to that lucy family law is very bespoke so we're going to be looking at the situation around the marriage so we're going to be looking at the earning capacity um, the age of the parties if we've got any children involved you know the court wants to make sure that everyone is looked after that no one's just sort of left out on the street so to speak i don't mean literally but you know what i mean that no one experiences financial hardship it is a short marriage so as a rule of thumb um, both parties will walk away with what they brought to the marriage, but never say never. Do you know what I mean? That's just the general principle. Um, but then we would have to, you know, look into it a little bit more. I can't guarantee you that will be the outcome or the order that the court will make. Um, do you cover um, sort of because um, he had, he made some criminal sort of damage uh, to my property? No. Um, do you cover that in your argument? No. No. Okay. Just family. Um, okay. Perfect. Um, that's brilliant. You've been great. Right extremely helpful today and I much appreciate it. Thanks then. Pleasure. You're welcome. Thanks, Lucy. Take care. Bye. Caroline, you are next up. What's your question? Oh, hello. hello. Can hello. you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, great. Um, yeah, so I'm just awaiting my FDR after a short marriage. Yeah. Um, both in our 50s. I had property about 20 years prior to um, my husband moving in. He only moved in sort of, say, the month before we got married. So he was only in the sort of what they're now calling is the joint matrimonial home for a month before we got married. So still less than two and a half years. But his barrister at the initial hearing kept saying it was a short to medium term marriage. Um, I, when we met, he was um, in debt. I paid off his debts. It's on my mortgage. And I'm just really concerned because all I'm getting questions from his sort of legal team are my capacity to raise more de debt to pay him. So I just, my question, what's my question? My question is, like, what is deemed as a short marriage? And I'm just getting more and more nervous that I actually need to bring in a barrister like he's done at the FDR because yeah. they're pretty um, harsh. How, how long have you been married, Caroline? Sorry? How long have you been married? We were uh, married two years, four months. Well, ha, ha, so are you, you, are you divorced oh, now? Are you divorced? Divorced, yeah. We, I've got so the divorce. We've already got the final order through. Right. So when the final order came through, so that would have been okay. Um, that was only sort of six months after we separated. Right. So was there a period of cohabitation before the marriage? Uh, there was not in the former matrimonial home, but doesn't maybe matter. A year before that. A year. So all told, then we've got sort of a three-year relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe three okay. and a half. Yeah. yeah. So so that that would be short. That that would be short, yeah. really. Yeah. Yeah. They're trying to stretch it and say it's medium term and we'll get... Yeah, they, they will, absolutely they will, because that's their strategy. For whatever yeah, reason, okay. I don't know the details of your case, but that, that's their strategy, really. You know, I spoke to a client today who is just um, speaking to me on sort of an ad hoc basis, and his question was, you know, I always feel so defeated. I'm representing myself and the other side have got legal yeah. representation. What can I do? How can I get back control? And my honest answer to him was, you've just got to hold your nerve. Just hold yeah, your okay. nerve. 
You know, it's, um, it, it's all about strategy at this stage. I'm not saying don't get any legal advice, um, but don't always okay. believe that what the other side are saying is absolutely gospel truth, okay? Yeah, I, that helps. And I think it's good. You know, I have got a solicitor, I just chose not to take him to the first hearing yeah. to yeah. save myself some Absolutely, money, yeah. A lot of my clients do exactly the same. I'll, um, okay. I'll represent them right up to the court doors and then they want to go and do that bit themselves because it's just a cost thing and that's absolutely fine. Okay, thank you. All right, pleasure. Thanks, Caroline. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Uh, Mart, you're on mute. What's your question? Hello, Chris. Hello. Um, right. For people struggling with the Discord, yeah. if they closed um, all the applications on their device, yeah. because the microphone might be in use on another application, so if they closed down everything and then restarted, they might get somewhere. For those of you that didn't hear, if you're having trouble um, speaking to me, close everything down because your mic might be used by another app and then um, start again. There's a few, there's been quite a few tonight actually that um, have been brought up to the stage and I literally can't hear what they're saying. So thanks for that, Mart. Um, right, a couple for you. Yeah. I think this is my last lot. Okay. Uh, so this one is, um, right, can you please ask the question for me? 40 years plus of marriage, husband left me the marital house 10 years ago. We've been in a good relationship. If I file di divorce, what are my chances, or what are my rights, and my kids are 18 plus? Yeah, so generally, with a long marriage like that, we're going to be really focusing on health. So does one of them have perhaps health conditions that means that their needs are more? That's the first thing. So the starting point will definitely be 50-50, but then we're going to be looking at, you know, do, does either of them need a little bit more? Um, I mean, it, we might also be looking at pension. Um, you know, do we have enough money there upon retirement? The, perhaps the pensions are already in drawdown. That can complicate things a little bit there, depending on what at the age of the parties. Um, but the, the bottom line is that the starting position will be 50-50. So they are definitely entitled to a share, regardless of whose name it's in, after that length of marriage, of everything. Um, it'd be very hard to ring-fence anything after 40 years of marriage. Right, okay. All right. Um, right, section two, I'm not going to quote it to you, section two of the Children's Act, right? I'm not going to, he's quoted it to me, I'm not going to yeah. quote it to you, you obviously know it. Yeah. Could you please give, give context on what sort of decisions a resident parent or partner could make on a day-to-day -day basis? Trying to take the children to appointments, etc., is a yeah. nightmare without responsibility at the moment. Yeah, so it's easier to um, come at it from the other end of that, um, the, the, big, the three big decisions that we have to make together as parents are education, religion and medical. So the day-to-day -day care needs of what the child wears, what the child eats, how the child gets to school, what the child watches on TV is assigned to the parent who has the care of the child at that time. And that would include taking them to any medical appointments. Now, a medical decision then, if the doctor said, right, you know, they have to go in and have a surgery or an operation, that decision has to be made by both parents. But actually taking them to the appointment, that falls to the responsibility of the parent with care at the time of the appointment. Right, okay. Right. No problem. i got two more quick ones for you. Yeah. Um, getting divorced, he, he's making me pay the fees even though he earns twice as much as me. 
he lives in the family home which is in his name he's got a solicitor but i can't afford one there's a history of domestic abuse from him should i get a solicitor if he's got one you don't have to have a solicitor because the other side have got one um, I always recommend, if you can at all, get as much legal advice as you possibly can, whether that's just a one-off hour, whether that's just um, ad hoc. Um, you know, sometimes people can't always afford to have a solicitor there at their beck and call. Um, you do what you can afford, but don't feel that you have to have one because there's a solicitor on the other side. That, that's not the decision. That's not the, the um, basis of your decision-making. The, the base of your decision making is can I afford one um, and, and if I can, what do I need them to do? What, what help do, is it that I need with my case? Would one of your courses be beneficial? Yeah, depending on what they want to do. I mean, obviously I've got courses there on divorce, how to do that yourself, making children's applications and different types of children's applications, how to do that yourself um, and doing the finances. And of course, I'll talk you through the witness statements and the different forms that you need to fill in. So again, the courses aren't for everybody, but yeah, thanks Mark for giving the course a shout out. Um, if you can't afford a solicitor, um, I always forget about the courses actually, I did them that uh, sort of before Christmas now. Um, but yeah, if you can't afford a solicitor, that, that's a good sort of plan B, yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll, I'll post the link in the TikTok um, comments and anyway, so people can yeah. take a look. Yeah, um, brilliant, thanks The last Mark. one is, yeah. Can you ask what happens? I've not seen my grandkids for two years. They yeah. say they don't want to see me. Yeah. Kafka's involved now. If reports back to the court, kids are being made to say, how how will they start contact? Sorry, just read the first bit out to me again, Mark. Sorry. I, I, I think the, the grandchildren are being made to say that they don't want to see the grandmother. Right. Um, um, but how can she kind of try and get contact? So... If the relationship's broken down between the grandmother and the parents, then I would say attempt mediation. If mediation doesn't work, it's going to be very difficult because grandparents don't automatically get PR. They have to apply for PR if they're looking to get a contact order. Um, and how they are successful in a PR application is by demonstrating that they've been a real big part of the child's life. So that the example I always give is where you've got a grandparent that maybe provides the day-to-day -day care while the parents are at work because it's a cheaper option for the parents and the grandparent has retired. And the grandparent says, well, look, I'll look after the child while you're at work. That grandparent would have success perhaps in making an application for PR. But a grandparent that maybe only sees the child once a week or once a month w probably wouldn't succeed. So it's very difficult for grandparents because they've, they've got that additional step to actually ask for the PR before they can make an application yeah. for, the, for the children's order. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. Cheers, Trace. That's all I've got for you. Brilliant. Thank you, Mark. Bye. Cheers, Trace. Um, right. Next one up is Suzanne. Suzanne, how can I help? Thank you so much. Sorry, sorry if this is um, too complicated for this session. Um, but I have an um, ancillary order, which was the um, final stage of our divorce with our financial order and it's been ordered that I purchase the property and charge a percentage um, under my ex-husband's name on yep. the property yeah on purchase yeah and there's now a massive dispute about what the amount should be because it says 35 percent of the net proceeds of sale yep. after he's had a 25 thousand pounds when the house was sold yeah when the house was sold 
But he's now saying no, it's 35% of the amount including his 25,000, which doesn't actually make any logical sense because okay. he's already had that 25,000. Okay. How do you then put that back in and calculate 35%? But the wording of the order seems to say that. And the conveyancing solicitor for the property I'm trying to buy says, no, he's talking rubbish. But he is obviously refusing to sign if it's not the amount he says it is. So yep. effectively, I, if I don't put his charge on the property, I, I'm in breach of court. Yep. And I'm a registered healthcare professional, so I can't really afford to be breaking the law. So is your question, Suzanne, that you, you just want to know what, what to do? Yes, I'm yeah. sorry I didn't ask the question, did that's, I? That's yes, fine. I'd love so to know what to do. Essentially, it has to go back to court, doesn't it, really? So if, if we have a, a clause in an order that the court has approved that is being interpreted two different ways, then we have to go back to the judge and say, we don't need to redo it all again, judge, but could you just direct us as to what this clause means? Would I then not be penalised for wasting court time? No, <laughs> because otherwise you're going to end up breaching the order. You both need clarity yeah. as to what the, that clause actually means. And then, of course, it means potentially I might lose out on this house. Potentially, yeah. 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 Okay. But you wouldn't, wouldn't advise going ahead with the purchase and dealing with it afterwards? Uh, I don't know enough about your case, Suzanne, to be fair, but it, as I say, I, I'm only going to answer that question if you don't have the clarity between you both, go back to court. Whether or not you do okay. that or you go ahead and buy another purchase, I wouldn't want to comment because, as I say, I don't know oh, enough. Of course. All right. Thank you so very much for your help. Thank You're you welcome. Very, very much. Okay, bye. Uh, Captain, you are next up. Oh, there we go. I thought I had you on mute, but you're on mute. How can I help? Yeah. Hello. Hello, Tracy. Hello. Um, <clears throat> couple for you. Yeah. Do you remember Mr. Patel from earlier? Yes, I do, yeah. He sent me a bit more information about how much he already sees his son. Okay. Um, saying that he sees his son every Thursday for four hours and every other weekend. Yeah. My, his sons indicate that he would like to see more of him. <laughs> yeah. I want 50-50, my ex is saying no. Yeah. The judge has made an interim order for the above. There are no safeguard concerns. What are my chances of achieving 50-50? 50-50 has already been agreed during school holidays. Okay. I'll tell you what's missing from the second part of Mr Patel's um I was going to say instructions to you, but they're not instructions. How old the no, child is? Yeah. How old the child is? And the weekend contact does it include overnight? So yeah. um, let's say the uh, the I don't. I'm not going to guess how old the child is, but let's say it does include overnight, and let's say it's Friday and Saturday night. We've got two nights out of fourteen. I highly doubt the court's going to go from two nights out of fourteen straight to seven nights out of fourteen straight away. But I still go back to my previous answer, build it up gradually. The first thing I'd be saying is if it's Friday and Saturday, let's start to introduce a Sunday so that every alternate weekend we've now got Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And then I'd be saying that the week that I don't have the child, sorry, the weekend I don't have the child, in that week, then I'd be going for maybe Wednesday overnight. So now I've and got... Sorry, go Tracy, can I just interrupt? Yeah. Um, child is eight yeah and it's from Friday night to dropping off at school on Monday brilliant so we've already got three nights out of 14 so then I would be suggesting to the court that in the week that I don't have the child at the weekend could I potentially you know on that Wednesday when he when he picks the child up have overnight contact on the Wednesday now I've got four nights and potentially we then might be able to in a month after that have Wednesday night and maybe Thursday night 
dropping back to mum on the Friday because then it's mum's weekend. And you just gradually build it up like that. But the court certainly won't go straight from just three nights up to seven. I wouldn't have thought so. I wouldn't have thought so. But it sounds like he's got good prospects of success because he's already having 50-50 in the holidays. So I think the strength, Mr. Patel, and I can see that you're still in the audience, is going to lie in you showing that this increase in term time contact is not going to impact the child in a negative way. Because I suspect what mum's arguing is, no, I've got a routine, he goes to school, or she goes to school, I'm not having all that disrupted. So we need to be focusing on the fact that it won't be disrupted at all, and more importantly, it's in the child's best interests. Okay, Rex is saying no weeknights, that's why they're going to court. Yeah, the, the key is the court don't want to, because lots of parents say, I want 50-50 shared care because I'm the parent too, and, and the courts don't want to hear that. They want to hear how much contact would benefit the child. So don't use shared care, don't use 50-50, use, you know, I'm currently having three nights, I really think it would be in the child's best interest to go to four and then to five and then to six and give the reasons why. And one of those reasons isn't because that's fair. Let's not, let's not use that language. We're just explaining why it's in the child's best interests. Okay, thanks Tracy. Pleasure. This is from um, a lady called Helen. Yeah. Um, I hope you're all right, Helen. I've, I've read your message and I hope you're all right. And she says, she's in the audience. Hi, please can you help me? I've separated from my husband of 23 years. He has forced me and my adult children out of the home, out of my home of 25 years. I jointly own the property with his verbal and mental abuse. He's taken control of the property by changing the locks and denying me entry. I've just found out that he has moved a family member into the property and he's not living there himself. I petitioned for divorce, but he's not responded. Him and his brother are intimidating me and I'm fighting for myself and my family, as everything I do has repercussions. I am waiting for my Mayam appointment at the moment so I can go back to my solicitor. Is there anything else I can do to keep us safe? Um, well, you can certainly report it to the police. And if you have a solicitor, I'd be speaking to them about a non-molestation order. I mean, obviously, I don't know any further details than that. Um, but a non-molestation order would keep her safe. Uh, reporting it to the police, putting it on their radar would, would keep them safe. Going back to the first point, Helen, about the fact that you've issued the divorce petition he's not responding, get a process server to serve that petition on him. Because what you want to keep doing is, is keep that momentum, keep everything moving forward as quickly as you possibly can. Um, and yeah, just as many... I'm glad she's got a solicitor. Just as many orders and, and injunctions as you can possibly get. They'll, they'll know more about her case, so they'll be able to advise her properly. But there'll definitely be things she can do. From a criminal aspect as well, I mean, I, I don't um, work in crime, but depending upon what he's, do, uh, what he's doing and his brother's doing, we may not be able to pass the family test, but we might be able to pass the criminal test. You know what I mean? So speak to her solicitor there. You know this property that Helen's got that's jointly owned with her husband that yeah. she's not allowed in and he's not living there but somebody else is? Yeah. What can she do to sort of either get the money from that or...? Well, well, that that's a financial order. I mean, that's, you know, because it, it's... I'm assuming it's owned by both of them. Um, but uh, if, if he's not in agreement to putting that on the market or buying her out, then she has to go to court and get a financial order. 
Um, I wouldn't obviously recommend, given the intimidation that's going on, that she move back into the property because, you know, that or, or hell might, might break loose. I don't know how long she's been gone for. But I would certainly be getting that before the court ASAP because it might be that the person he's letting the house out to is also paying rent to him. Um, they might be trashing the house. I mean, that belongs to her as much as it belongs to him, regardless of whose name it's in. Thanks, Tracy. Pleasure. And I hope that helps, Helen, and I hope you get sorted. Yeah, me too. Good luck, Helen. Um, thanks, Tracy. No uh, problem. On next week as usual. I am indeed. Back again Tuesday. Cheers, Captain. See you next week. All right, bye. bye. Rachel, you are next up. Let me take you off mute. What's your question? Hello, hi. Can you hear me? I can, yeah. Hello, hi. Um, yeah, 10 years ago, my partner and I um, split up and um, we, we, he wouldn't um, let us sell the house um, unless I signed a form to say that if um, I agreed to sell the house, I would never claim um, child maintenance from him. Yeah. So I signed it and then the house was put up for sale and we sold it. Um, and I said to him, if, you know, you're never going to pay maintenance, I need more of the equity to be able to afford somewhere on my own with the two children. Um, so I had 70% of the equity, he had 30%. Yeah. Um, so that's, that was all dealt with. But now, this is 10 years ago, now my daughter, uh, when she turned 17, she decided she wanted, wanted to move in with her dad. Um, which is fine. You know, she was just studying and stuff like that. She found that she just could concentrate better at her dad's because he was on his own with his wife. And I've got a three-year-old at home. It just worked a bit better for the family. Um, they're studying. Um, but he put a child maintenance claim in against me. Um, and I wasn't sure. Obviously, I've been paying it for the last year that she's been moved out. Um, but I didn't know whether or not, because of this form, that I had, he got a solicitor to draw up this letter to say you know, that I would never put a claim in against him in the last 10 years because I got more equity in the property. Um, but now she's moved out, uh, she's 17, um, and now he's put a claim in against me for child maintenance and I've been paying, uh, I'm only working part-time and he's earning quite good money because obviously he progressed in his career whilst I had had the children living with me. So Rachel, um, I, I suspect... I just didn't really know if there was anything I could do, really. I think I, I kind of just stuck with it, really. I have to just pay. I just wanted... The question really was, can you do that? Because he made me sign something to say I'd never claim, which I didn't. Okay, let me, let me jump me. in. Yeah, let me jump so, in and answer, Rachel. I, I understand your question. I think mm. the form that you signed is your financial order. Okay, so the financial order gave you 70% and him 30% and that severed yeah. all financial ties, which means that neither one of you can make a further financial claim against each other. That still yeah. stands, but it doesn't apply to child maintenance. Okay, mm. so he is able to make a child maintenance claim against you because that doesn't form part of the financial order. Okay, right. and on, on the actual letter or financial order, it actually clearly states um, during, you know, if I get 70% of or the amount it stated, that I would not ever put in a claim of child maintenance. Yeah, but, um, you, but you haven't. But you have no, I didn't, no. Yeah, but he no. has. So the order but doesn't say, yeah, but the order <laughs> so doesn't... I don't know. The order, I'm sort of stuck really with that. Yeah, you are stuck because the order doesn't bar him from making a claim, only no. you. No, right. I know. I thought I'd ask because obviously it's only another year until she, you know, she finishes. But I just thought, 
um, I'd ask because obviously sure. um, I wasn't sure because no we both problem. agreed at the time we would never use child maintenance and yeah. it just you know I, I always give my daughter money and you know we still I just it just seems like a little bit of a I did really but um, yeah yeah I just thought I'd ask okay thanks Rachel yeah. bye. bye thank you bye bye Sarah you are next let me take you off mute how can I help oh hi so Hello. bit complicated yeah um, so my ex, he has my children two nights out of 14 yeah. um, at the moment. He wants to increase that to four nights out of 14, which I didn't initially agree to, but now I have. However, he's really hell-bent on them giving up their swimming lessons, which were on a Sunday evening at 6 o'clock. I used to pick the children up at 6.30, now I have to pick them up at 5.30. Would a court make them give up a club like swimming when it's a life-saving skill? The court's not going to... Yeah, the court's... Oh, yeah, on, just on, to answer that point, Sarah, the court's not yeah. going to make the children do that, no. The court's going to hope right. that you two can co-parent. So the court probably won't make a decision as to whether the children go swimming or not. I think the issue that right. you might have is that Dad just doesn't take them. Then your question to me might be, will the court force him to take the children to swimming? Yeah. Well, that's, that's a specific issues order, that the children attend swimming classes, and whoever has them at Sunday at six takes them to swimming classes. So I think that's probably the way the court would oh, approach it. I have tried it. to go down that road of saying that he could take them on his weekends, but he's refusing. Yeah, yeah, I'm saying the court would give a, a, a specific yeah. issues order that the children attend their swimming classes or continue to attend and whoever mm. has them at six would have the responsibility of taking them. Okay, then the other point of my question as well is um, obviously he wants to increase this time but he is refusing to help with um, school holidays at all. So at the moment he's having them for one week in the summer holidays. His mum and dad are having them for another week but he will not agree to do any of the rest of the year or come to parents' evening or sort of anything school related because yeah. of work. But yeah. yeah, I'm expected to do the whole lot and I have work full time as well. That's a shame, he's missing well, out. I know. So if if the court sort of saw that, would would I, do you think they would go with me having to increase his time, even though he won't increase his time when it's, you know, in the holidays so really increase it on it the other days that you want they're gonna look sarah at what's in the best interest of the children they're not gonna look at how because your position is that he's being highly unreasonable okay that's your yeah. position and and i accept that his position is i need to work and earn a living i can't possibly have the children anymore i'm not saying that's the right position but i'm just saying that's his position the court won't yeah. look at either of those positions the court's gonna look at what's in the best interest of these children you know, yeah. is having more contact with dad on the weekends better than having more contact with him during the holidays? So it's a tricky right. one because I don't know the existing pattern and the family dynamic. But what I would share with you is that the court will definitely not approach it as you're approaching it. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. Okay. All right. Hope that helps. All right. Thanks, Sarah. Thank you. Okay, Cheers. bye. On that note, guys, I'm going to wrap it up. Apologies to you still with your hands up in the lounge, but we have hit seven o'clock um, and I'm going to leave it there. Back again next week, Tuesday, six to seven. Thank you, Missy. She's put a banner up. She's pinned it up on the TikTok there so everybody knows. 
Um, yeah, back Tuesday, six till seven. So until then, take care. Really hope that hour was helpful. I'm sure it was. Um, and yeah, I will see you back here Tuesday. Cheers, guys. Bye-bye.